You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this episode, Future Net Zero founder Summit Bose speaks with Richard Burrell, CEO of Amp Clean Energy, as they discuss the decarbonisation of heat and the applications around funding new sustainable ways of heating your facilities. Richard, thank you for joining me on this insight interview. Firstly, are you well? Everyone well in the family? Uh, yes, everyone's well. Um, it's uh, um, been a been a long fifty days. I think I think we're in the fifty first day mm. um, of lockdown. Um, but no, keeping well, trying to keep fit, um, not uh, trying trying to improve my eating habits. And not, <laughs> I'm trying to limit myself to only a couple of glasses of wine a night. Well, I think that one, I, I'm, I'm struggling with that one myself. But uh, um, let's just tell the audience a little bit about uh, Amp Clean Energy, uh, what it does, how long it's been going, and it's, in brief, its ambition in the net zero space. Sure. I mean, just for everyone's benefit, Amp Clean Energy um, floated on the stock market in, in 2014 and um, uh, actually we've taken it off the stock market at the beginning of this financial year. But our main remit in life is that we are um, big believers in distributed energy generation, both in the whole world around heat decarbonisation and also flexible generation. So that has been our focus. We have um, developed a whole host of projects um, uh, related to heat and also flexible generation. Um, we have a, an affiliated entity um, which is called AMP Infrastructure Limited that we fully fund, 100% fund our, our own projects. And then we have um, a business, um, well, two businesses that basically provide uh, installation, operation and maintenance for these facilities. And we have our own fuels business that provides fuel to our biomass operations. So we operate across the UK. Um, we have a headquarters in London, which I'll, I'll come to. Uh, we have uh, offices in Liverpool and uh, up in Fort William in Scotland. Let's look at where we are right now. And um, we cannot um, have this conversation without obviously talking about the, the tragic human loss of coronavirus. Sure. But also, you know, and I don't want to denigrate from that in one way at all, but there has been a lot over the last six, seven weeks of, of inklings of people's attitudes, ideas of a, a reset, ideas of a kind of, you know, looking at the environment, we see it in ourselves, you know, the, the birds in the, in the trees and, and just the cleanness of the air. And there seems to be a moment of reflection. Have you had that yourself? What do you think has been going on uh, regarding that and, and I'm not trying to take away from the, 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 the tragic loss of life but have you had a reflection of what this kind of means? I, I think it's a very very good question I mean the this this whole period for me has been an enormous um, obviously upheaval and, and, and change but actually there are a huge number of positives that have come out of this um, you mentioned, um, you know, um, the, the, the nature side of things. Uh, it's the first time in London that I actually hear the birds tweeting in the morning. Um, I see the Thames is a lot cleaner as I walk uh, on my daily walk down, down the side of the Thames. Um, and I think the whole issue around transport 
where um, obviously there's much fewer cars on the road. We're all bicycling, we're all walking. Uh, public transport is 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 down um, uh, to, to to very low levels. And when you go outside, I mean, um, the other day I did a long bike ride towards the um, the Docklands. The views that you can see and the, the clean air that is is it now exists is is just quite 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 uh, you know a stark contrast to what it used to be. So I do think it's um, from a sort of macro point of view been a really good period and it has also from a business point of view made us all feel actually how how can we um, better run our businesses yes. how can we adapt um, mm. to what has been you know a, a, a new way of working and what does that then mean for our net zero ambitions and I like the way that you use the word reset because I think we're all completely capable of um, adapting to, to, to new models, ways of working and ways of living. And I think if we can tie that in with net zero, um, I think we've, we, we make more progress than we ever thought we would make in, in, in January of this year. At, at the time of this recording, we've just had uh, guidance or point of view from the Committee on Climate Change. We've had lots of stuff that's in the press about, you know, the, the the twin challenges of coronavirus and climate change and how one in, in intercedes into the other and i suppose the real point I'm, I'm trying to make is that i'm hopeful that this will be a pivot point where we we decide to to build again but be build clean but we have to you know you, your, your background is financial we can't walk away from the fact that actually right now there will be a temptation globally I don't know about the UK specifically, but globally there will be a temptation to to do exactly what we did in 2009-10 and, and return to fossil fuels, which are at negative prices now. So do you worry about that? What what do you think? You know, it's difficult with your your heart, head and your heart um, and your business ambition is clear, clearly in the net zero world. But having an economic brain as well, you must see that temptation to think short term that lots of businesses and governments might do. I, I think I think you're you're right to point out there is a temptation to to return to the bad old days. But actually, if you think about the momentum that the whole net zero agenda had pre going into this crisis, and how strongly, particularly the younger generation, feel um, about climate change, um, the the, the fact of the matter is that you know going back to old ways of of, of working and operating I, I i don't think will happen i think that the you know you, you you've seen how in this country how our gdp has grown but our net emissions have come down our gdp has obviously is, is going to be impacted by by this but i think people's passion for for achieving um, a net zero ambition and um, all of the things that we're trying to do uh, to reduce our carbon emissions, um, I don't think is going to be um, uh, upset by coming out of the uh, out of this virus. I mean, people want to get back to work, they want the economy to reflate, but people don't want to. Um, I think people have been frightened by the, the, the fact that, you know, we've had this virus and we need to better prepare. And yeah. what 
better way to prepare than um, to to make sure our planet is 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 um, uh, is, is, is is prepared for the long term future. So uh, I'm actually very um, positive about um, uh, achieving all the goals that we've talked about previously. One of the things that will impact this is is funding, though. Obviously, um, the markets will be a lot tougher there'll be less money around we, we're, we're probably facing we're being realistic we, we're probably facing a, a um perhaps a half decade long recession possibly out of this it all depends we don't know but we're definitely going to have an economic impact and that would really affect investment decisions people will make so do you have concerns that you know funding that you'll need to find for the projects you're trying to do or even your clients may be thinking, oh, Richard, I'd really like to go into biomass. I'd like to do something around my heat, but you know, I've got to think about the finances and, and finally the money to do that because that, that is, you know, my, my priority now has shifted to just keeping the business going and not thinking about this. How do you think that balance will work out? Okay, I think we just need to separate that down between short short term and, and medium term. Yes, there's no doubt in in the short term there is a bit of disruption to to to, to financing stuff, but um, I, I think that is coming. That is that is is weeks, not 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 months. Um, in terms of um, heat decarbonisation, particularly, one of the challenges that we had for, for a number of years pre-COVID was that we have worked on a lot of projects with large, large, large corporates who, you know, we have shown them how they can decarbonize their heat, which obviously has a huge impact on the agenda. And often the response has been, oh, well, that's fine. I think we'll find the money and do it out of our own CapEx budget. I think now post COVID, I think a lot of those corporates are saying, actually, we need to conserve cash. Yeah. Um, we can't um, uh, finance our own heat decarbonisation projects out of our own budgets. And we need to turn to people who are specialist financiers and specialist funders of these projects. People yeah, you like actually us. see an opportunity here then? Absolutely see an opportunity. And I can, can, can point to that um, if I look at our pipeline. We've had two or three projects which um, had, had effectively been stalled because um, uh, we were not going to finance them. The, 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 the companies or the corporates were, were going to finance them themselves. They are now not financing themselves and they've come back to us and said, actually, can you help and can, can, can you do this? And as long as we can get the capital to do it, and we are the specialists in, 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 in doing this, um, then I think the opportunity is, is quite significant. And in terms of getting the capital, there is still enormous interest from the insurance companies, the pension funds um, and, and the like to invest in, in, in clean energy technology and, and, and assets. And you know they prefer to do it. I think through 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 specialist entities like ourselves. So I'm actually very positive about the future. Let's talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about heat specifically. Then I also want to talk about a conversation I had with um, an energy specialist in America about the kind of sustainability drivers for for investors, which I know you know a lot about. But let's start with heat. Um, 
we often think of net zero, I think it's fair to say as net zero means electricity. That's what most people would think. It's cutting down our emissions, it's getting from diesel to electric cars, it's changing our, our boilers to being electric boilers or whatever. Why is heat never really uh, sort of at the forefront of our thinking? And, and I think I'm guilty of it myself in the stories that we receive. We always write those ones. Well, it seems as if heat is always kind of at the side, and yet it's, it's enormous. It's an enormous part of our, our energy use. Well, 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 I estimate that, that, that heat decarbonisation is about, should be about 40% of the net zero um, ambition. So if you can, wow. if you don't crack heat de decarbonisation, you ain't going to get to net zero. Heat decarbonisation is much more difficult to crack than the electricity piece and, and actually the transport piece. Now, what I would say is that the transport piece is self-writing itself um, as a result of what was going on before in terms of the ambition for electric vehicles and then actually you know, during the COVID crisis, um, obviously, was what's going on in the airline sector and sure. the transportation sector. I think that will have an added push to helping um, the net zero on that side. But heat decarbonisation, with more people working from home, um, with um, you know, you know that that side of things, I think we have got to look at this very very closely. And I think the the, the government's policy, they you know they know that they're well behind their targets on heat decarbonisation and unless we can um, come up with you know credible projects and credible plans to make some inroads to that we'll, we'll never get to the um, to the net zero target so you know i think heat has to go right up the agenda um, i think the solution um, you know, the solution is, is is a mixture of already established technologies. I think there's a lot that can be done uh, with 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 you know high temperature heat, um, and and to be able to 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 decarbonize that. And I think there's also a lot that can be done with the electrification of heat, um, and and using some of the technologies that are now emerging. All right, so, let me push push you on a couple of points. Then, um, do you? Uh, I mean, I don't know how much lobbying you do or campaigning with government. So obviously, we will get out of this pandemic situation and we're already looking at, at sort of starting to ease the lockdown. So minds will turn to the economy and minds will turn to our future. Has the government done enough around heat? Has it been clear enough? Have you lobbied? And dare I say, do you believe the heat sector needs some help? In the sense, the way we subsidised the massive growth of solar, the way we subsidised the massive growth of wind. Is, is, if it's that important, you say, 40%, and we won't get there without it, what do you yeah. think government needs to do? Well, I, I firstly, you know, the, the government's heat uh, policy has you know, got delayed by the whole Brexit piece and all of that. There were some announcements that they made last week in terms of the consultations into um, the renewable heat incentive. They've done a very sensible thing about extending the, the, the tariff guarantees for a further year because that enables a number of projects uh, to be done. And they're consulting at the moment, uh, which we will be, you know, which we are participating in, in how they can best support the industry um, over the over the medium term. 
Um, the simple answer is yes, I fully recognise that post this crisis, there will be a lot more government debt and a lot more pressure on government finances. But in order for significant inroads to be made to heat decarbonisation, you cannot rely on um, hoping that everything can be electrified and all heating can be done um, you know, via, via heat pumps or, or, or other bits and pieces. You've got to look at some of the industries that have existed and are existing quite well um, you know, we're obviously big players in the in the biomass um, heat side of things. Um, one of the big um, initiatives that we did was to encourage um, uh, bays to 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 look at the RHI, and we're continuing to encourage them to do so uh, because actually it's a very good it's a very good scheme, particularly the non-domestic as well as the domestic RHI. Mm. And you know, I see it. We're only at the beginning of that, and I know it's a very high cost for for the government but as you rightly point out if they if they're serious about net zero then they need to be serious about heat decarbonization and supporting it some of these decisions are quite interesting not just politically but societally aren't they really because we've got to decide and maybe post-covid we will have some more impetus that what is it we really want to do and if we really want to get to net zero like you say then maybe we do have to look at subsidising sectors like heat and making it easier for, for consumers, non-domestic and domestic, to, to transfer. So is there an element of, dare I say, you know, some more PR your sector has to do to get yourselves into the, the consciousness of, of the public and the consciousness of, of politicians more? Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think... The, the, the PR side is, is, is uh, I think it's well known that heat decarbonisation is a challenge. I think what... what is that phrase, what, what and they say can... it's the Cinderella of energy. They always say that, don't they? It's always, heat's always kind of put well, away. But, I mean, that, that's because it's the hardest. That's because it's the hardest, the hardest mm. thing to de decarbonise. I mean, you know, the... Um, it, it might be the Cinderella, but actually, it's 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 also you know there there is more to do in 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 our sector than there is in some of the others. I mean, if you if you look at the big drivers to decarbonisation, obviously it's electricity, it's transport, and it's heat. And if you if you if you look at transport, we're already on that journey. You you already see more and more. Um, uh, advances in, in, in electric vehicles, you mm. see all the solar and wind, um, you see what we're doing on flexibility in, in, in the power market. But on the heat side, what have you got that's really, uh, you know, really made the difference to date? It's a biomass business, which is, it's not biomass power, it's biomass heat. And if you look at the number of um, uh, facilities that we are currently supplying heat to via biomass, it is a very efficient and, and uh, you know, very cost-effective way of, of, of achieving the, uh, you know, the decarbonisation goals. And so I, I'm, I'm a strong believer that the government should continue to support the RHI and uh, corporates should continue to look not only at biomass, but at high temperature heat pumps, uh, waste heat recovery, 
all of those types of things that will, 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 will move this agenda and make meaningful progress. I spoke to an analyst not that long ago who said to get to net zero, we still need to build big things, okay? Whether it's wind farms or nuclear power stations, as well as working with distributed energy and having the more local. Um, are those two things compatible? Could we have what you're building, you know, heat um, sort of resources in local nodes in towns and cities? Or could we have a huge, massive plant as well? I mean, how do you see that? Do you, do you, do you say yourselves, uh, see yourselves really as distributed energy champions? Or do you think for, for what we're looking at, we need to have big heat in, in a colloquial phrase? Okay, so can, can we just, um, you touched on it, can we just basically look at the, dis the distributed heat and power? So on on the power side, just very quickly, mm. you've got solar and wind and what we call flexibility, which is us putting in small power stations um, in local areas. Um, if you add, if you take solar, wind plus flexibility, you've got, in my view, the new base load. Um, obviously, long term, you may or may not have significant nuclear, but with yeah. solar, wind and flexibility, you can get to a, a decent level of base load. Now you move over to heat and you say, actually, what can you do central, uh, from a centralized basis on heat? Really, the, the, you can look, and, and it's the problem with our housing stock in, in, in the UK, we should be doing more district heating systems like you yes. have in some of the continental countries. But you know, that, is a, that is an issue of the planners and the local authorities. And you know when when you know when they issue section 106s on planning, they should actually say yes. We'll only give you planning for these houses if you do it via a district mm. heating system. The mindset like that needs to change, and then you can have larger generation of of, of heat that can then go into um, domestic um, uh, properties, you know, more, um, more more effectively. But at the same time, you need distributed energy when you are you know, certainly off the gas grid or, or in factories where you know, they want to have their own, their own gener heat generating facility in, in that factory. So uh, there's a mix, a mix of both, but I, I, I don't think you're gonna have a huge sort of heat source um, yeah. that, uh, that, that you can do. I mean, the other side of heat, um, and it's very early work, but I was looking at some analysis the other day on coal mines and all the disused coal mines in the, in, in, in the UK, there's, there's, there's a huge amount of heat that could be captured from those, those, those coal mines. What, you mean residual we need to, heat? Yeah, well, in, in terms of you know, putting in um, uh, heat, heat pumps into, in, oh. into coal mines. You know, we've got to look at those sort of practical um, uh, solutions if they're cost effective. That we can, um, uh, you know, we 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 can meet this agenda. What about waste heat? What are you doing as a business about waste heat? That's one of the things that they talk about. Is you know, you have a factory. Why don't we try and capture that heat and then put it into the local schools or you know municipal centres, things like that? How big an issue is waste heat in your mind? Well, waste heat um, is it, it, obviously there's a lot that goes up chimney stacks and and, and all of that. 
And if you can find a way to capture that and, and turn it into electricity, the, the, the technology exists. Uh, it is just convincing large corporates to, particularly in, in sectors like the glass and, and um, uh, steel sectors, where you've got um, you know, a lot of operations that generate heat. If you can capture that heat and you can turn it back into electricity um, and then reduce their electricity requirement, and you can fund that via the saving of, of heat going to electricity, that is a win-win for everybody. But again, these industries have been slow to take this up. Um, I think, you know, going forward, um, these are the sorts of things that the capital markets and, 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 and infrastructure funds can finance. But it does, it does require um, the corporates to, to, you know, to see the benefit. And, and, and the problem with putting in new technology to recover waste heat in someone's critical manufacturing facility is you know it's a it's a new piece of kit that they they're not familiar with and, and therefore they're, they're they're cautious and, and I get that um, but you know those are the ways that you can you can um, you can you can seriously de decarbonize. Um, before we end, part of the aim of this site, Future Net Zero, is to encourage um, the supply chain, encourage other businesses. Um, and I know you run a good business and you do things for for you know the 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 aim of the the net zero fight but it seems to be a business that's really for the big corporates so on that point of view the the services you're offering and companies like you and and the whole kind of looking at heat is it really you know just really for the big boys and girls to look at or, or do you think smaller businesses can can try and explore this absolutely i mean I think you've got a slight misconception there. I mean, we have four, we, we provide uh, biomass fuel to 4,000 customers. A lot of them are SMEs and, and small businesses. Um, we own probably the largest portfolio of biomass heat projects uh, in the UK, where we're supplying heat to care homes, schools, hospitals, um, uh, food manufacturing sites. Um, and, and, and the like, and, and these, these these customers are, you know, they're not the sort of, you know, the big names that, that, that you can, you know, easily think of. They they are localized people who who are passionate about um, climate change, want to have clean energy solutions on a distributed basis on their sites, and you know we can we can help them. We've got. Um, you know, we've got a, a lot of sites that we look after or own that are, you know, single businesses or, or, or single site operations. So a small business could come to you and say, I want to be cleaner. I want to do something about that. You could have a solution for them. Absolutely. And we, you know, I've got plenty of examples of existing assets that we own. Um, you know, as, a, as I say, at the moment, you look at coming back to the covid situation if you look at our portfolio at the moment we have um we own assets we, we have um, heat we provide heat to care homes um you know the demand for that heat has been very strong during this period uh, schools obviously has been less because they've switched off hotels have been 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 less because they switched off but food manufacturers have been more have been higher hospitals obviously have, have continued as is so by having a portfolio we can we can manage through these these crises but 
uh, absolutely, if there's anybody who either has installed an existing system, um, and that's the other thing I would say, there are people who have installed biomass in, um, or a heat pump or, or, or a solar uh, on, on their rooftop, if they've paid the capital expenditure and now are a bit short of cash and want to effectively sell those facilities to us and then we'll take over the management of them we're doing a number of those at the moment and we have a very good track record in what we call effectively our buyback schemes so we're here to support companies big and small and my final thing is about um it's a difficult one but Obviously, all the companies we're talking to, and, 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 I, and I'm grateful that you're one of the partners, it, there is an element of leadership that we expect from you guys. And there's an element of kind of looking at your own house. And I know you've got issues around what you're doing and how you're making sure your, your, your own footprint is sorted. But one of the issues that I suppose every company will struggle with is this circular economy, the embedded carbon in your own bits of kit, your own. Um, portfolio um how what is your ambition around that moving forward and i don't make a i don't need a concrete answer right now but i assume you must be looking at that yourselves well in terms absolutely in terms of our carbon footprint um i would say that pre-covid we would think not think twice about calling people from all over the country to a meeting in london um, you know, the guys from Scotland would fly down, the people yeah. would take the train and all of that. All of that is going to become far more conversations like this. I mean, we are running our business, in my view, much more efficiently at the moment via Zoom conference calls rather than pulling people into meetings. Of course, you've got to have human interaction. Sure. Of course, you've got to do that. But we certainly can make, and if every company um, followed that, Think of the impact on lower lower emissions from transport alone would be you know, would, would would be very significant. So, you know, I think that side of things um, every every company can do, and we can work far more electronically and far more like this. Um, in terms of the circular economy of what what we do, um, already um, a lot of our um, facilities, obviously. Um, particularly on the wood chip side, we are using waste wood um, where, you know, and, and that might be the sawmill co-product from a sawmill that is, 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 is chipped that we can then put into the boilers to create heat. That is a good, you know, is a good use of, 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 of waste product. And, you know, those sort of initiatives, I, I think we need to do much more of. To end with, um, you started by saying you were positive. And, uh, and I, you know, I share your optimism, but do you believe that we are now really, you know, everyone said to get to 2050, the hardest time will be to get to 2030, the next 10 years. And we've had a pretty poor start to this decade. So, but are you, are you optimistic that we as a country, and I, I think we should just talk about the UK specifically at this point, that we as a country can make the sacrifices, do the investments we need to start to really push that boulder up the hill over this next decade? I, I certainly think so. I mean, if you look at the 
if you look at the crisis that we have just been through or we're, we're, we're come, hopefully coming out of, uh, out of, think how we have all changed our behaviours and all changed the way we, we, we live, work and operate. If we're passionate and if, the, I'll throw it back to you, if the PR around yes. climate change and it stays uppermost in people's agenda, we can change. And, and, you know, I'm not proposing that we lock down the whole economy to achieve climate change, um, obviously, because the economic impact is, is enormous. But th this, this whole reset of all the way we live our lives and, and all of that, I think will get us, I, I think as a result of this, we will, we will move to net zero faster if we can keep the PR on the initiative and keep everyone serious on 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 achieving this goal because actually this has frightened the hell out of all of us and climate change is 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 also frightens the hell out of people and i think use the 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 dreadful situation of, of, of the coronavirus to actually push the climate agenda and i think we'll get there quicker if, if we can keep the pr and we can keep people's commitment going Richard, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much indeed. So it's very nice to talk to you. You have been listening to a promoted podcast from Future Net Zero. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. <laughs>